Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Hi, GT. How are you going today? Good. Doing well. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, G'day, mate. (laughs) You all just laughed. You didn't actually do it. My husband doesn't think I'm that funny, but I actually think I am funny. And so you've just confirmed that in me. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you, pastors Andy and Lisa, for having us. It's honestly a great privilege to be here. I don't know if you've looked around lately, but Victoria is a pretty stunning city. Yeah? Yeah? Okay, I came from a very, I came from the capital city in Australia. Everyone thinks that everyone lives on the coast in Australia, and for the most part, they do, except for me and my family. So I don't know how to surf. I don't know how to be in the water very well. But I did grow up in the capital city of Australia called Canberra, or Canberra, if you prefer that. And I am married to Pastor Ben, who is out at your West Shore campus today, preaching the word. And we have three children My oldest, Levi, will be turning 12 in November, and he is like a hunter-gatherer. We were on family camp this past week, and he caught at least 20 snakes. Like, just, because that's what he does. You can't do that in Australia, by the way. Like, call 911, you're dead. Um, Everyone always freaks out about, like, living in Australia. They're like, oh, isn't it, like, really dangerous? Like, you have spiders that can kill you and stuff. I'm like, yeah, but you guys have lions and bears. Literally, Dorothy is shaking in her boots because Canada literally has lions and bears running around. So I feel like Australia is an okay place to live. But that's not where I am. I'm here in Canada. And how does an Aussie come all the way from Canada? And why on earth do they do that? I had no connections here. I didn't know anyone. I thought everyone rode on polar bears uh, to get to work in the morning, just like we ride on kangaroos to get to work in the morning in Australia. But turns out that's not a reality. So how did I come to be in Canada? Putting it simply, it was the call of God. And today, I want to share a little bit about my testimony because I truly believe that today God wants you to hear testimony that would stir your faith to continue in faith. I believe that what God is doing in GT is going to be an incredible work of faith. And I believe that the testimony of what God has done, this isn't my story, this is God's story, what God has done will stir something in you so that when you hear the vision and when you hear the call of God, you can turn back and see, I've seen God do things before. I've seen Him move mountains before. And it sounds like a really great sentiment and it's something that we could put on a bumper sticker and put it on the back of your car, but I feel like God is actually saying to you, GT, that it's time to start stepping and walking in it. It's time to start believing that the moving of mountains is at your doorstep. And would you have the faith to believe it, but then to step out in it? Don't let it just be a sentiment. Often we sit down and we we hear the Word of God and we leave it as words. But we read in James that faith without deeds is what? It's dead. And so God is calling out the deeds to be partnered with the faith. They're perfect for each other. They're not meant to be separated. 
And so I share a little bit of my testimony today so that your faith would be stirred into action. It's not one or the other, it's both. And so I want to share, is that all right? Come on, someone say amen. Someone say hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I was born in a center, not a city, not a town, a center, very small, called Bullaroo Center. It's so small that it doesn't even deserve the title of town or village, it's center. And I was born to Peter and Claire Kane, incredible parents, and I am one of seven children of theirs. I am number five. I'm not the youngest, I'm not the second youngest, I'm not the oldest, I'm not the second oldest, I'm not the middle, I'm just number five. Any number fives? <laughs> like, who's the number five? Like, like, if there's five kids, you're the youngest. But I was a number five. And it was really interesting for me growing up because I have incredibly talented and creative family members. And the number five dynamic played in my mind a little bit, just being a little bit invisible, fade to, fade to black, don't, don't, you know, just hide away kind of behind the curtain. But God called my name and I knew he called my name. I knew what it was to hear from him. And some of you today, you're like, I want to know what that is. And I'm like, ask and you shall receive. Keep knocking on that door until you can fully experience what it is for God to have an encounter with you. But I grew up in Canberra, which is public servant, so working for the government. Everyone works for the government in Canberra, which I ended up doing that as well, so go figure. But I met my husband Ben there at a young adults worship night. I was leading worship and he was like on his knees worshiping and he thinks I took advantage of my platform because I saw him worshiping and I thought God has done a good thing. And I, you know, I had an advantage, I guess. When we got married, I was 21 when we got married. And on our first year anniversary, we celebrated our first year anniversary with a nine day old baby, my son Levi. So it all happened very quickly. So at 22, I was a mum. I look at some 22-year-olds these days and I'm like, man, what were my parents thinking? Like, <laughs> I was a mom at 22. But my husband and I, we, we served in ministry together. We co-pastored together. We were the youth pastors, young adult pastors, worship pastors, and he was business and operations and I was events. And we had a really good thing. We really loved what we were doing. We really were in a fantastic church. We loved our pastors, still do. <laughs> we love them. And, and nothing was wrong. Everything was just as it should be. But we were sitting at a conference full of about a thousand pastors and leaders and there was this unsettling in our spirit and we couldn't shake it. And it was like God was kind of trying to tug at us and like get attention. And we were in the business session. Who likes business sessions? Nobody ever. Um, but my husband is the business manager, and so he's meant to be in this session, but he's, his attention focus isn't great sometimes, and so he's thinking, how do I get out of this? Like, how do I leave? And I'm the rule follower, and he just watches me get up and leave. I never get up and leave anything. I'm front row all the time. And I texted him, and, I, and you know, it's your... I texted him, I'm pregnant. You know, it's your third child when the announcement is through text message, right? It's like, big reveal. I didn't even send an emoji. Um, 
But, and I thought, well, maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe it's that we're having another kid, but there was still this tugging on my heart and I couldn't quite comprehend what it meant. And on the drive home, which was about a nine hour drive home, we just started discussing what God could possibly do with us if we were surrendered. And on that drive, we just heard one word, Canada. Like, Canada. Beautiful Canada. After that, we went and sought counsel from our oversights because Proverbs says you got to seek wise counsel if you want to have victory. And so we, we wanted to have victory in whatever God was asking us to be a part of. And so we sought wise counsel. And in the process of, of figuring out what that meant and what that looked like, uh, we had 12 young adults join us to move over to Canada to start a church. When I was um, processing the call of God, we were visiting friends uh, up north in Australia at the Gold Coast, um, which wasn't where we lived. So it was an unfamiliar area. And one of our mentors, he just said to us so abruptly, he's like, where is it? You know where it is, where is it? And I was like, I don't know. I'm about to be like, no, I don't really know. And Ben, my husband, pipes up and he's like, it's in the northern part of Vancouver. And I was like, say what? Like, uh, hold that thought. We haven't discussed this. Now, my husband is an incredibly smart, creative man. He wakes up and before breakfast, he has 20 new ideas as to what he could possibly do in the world. Anyone else out there like that? Anyone doing this to someone next to them? He wakes up with a new idea every single day. So when he said the northern part of Vancouver, my instinct was, is this a Ben idea or is this a God idea? And I wasn't okay with just saying yes, because I knew that if I said yes reluctantly, I would never actually own the vision. You guys have Vision Sunday next week, right? Now you could reluctantly say yes to whatever it is, but God is not asking you to be reluctant in your yes. He's asking you for ownership over vision that you would actually carry it. And sometimes to do that, you need to go back and be like, well, Lord, would you show me yes? And so that's exactly what I did. And I was encouraged by the story in Judges 6 by Gideon. Gideon was this, this humble man who was... He was threshing wheat in a wine press, which if you didn't know, wheat in a wine press doesn't really work. Wine press is for wine. And so he's, he's out of place with what he's doing because the people of God are under oppression and they're hiding. They don't have victory where they are. They're being oppressed by the Midianites. And so they're finding any possible spot to do whatever work they can to provide. It's out of place. And God calls Gideon in that moment. And through the call, Gideon starts to try to comprehend fully what that means. And there's this moment in Judges 6 where before Gideon goes into battle for the Lord, he lays down a fleece and he says, God, this fleece of wool, if it's dry in the morning and the ground's wet, okay. And then if it's wet in the morning while the ground's dry, okay. Like, Show me a miracle. Show me that this is actually you. It was quite a specific ask. And so I laid a fleece. I said, God, unless you give me three distinct signs, this is a Ben idea and not a God idea. 
Well, who has ever done that before? (laughs) Yeah. My God is faithful and true. And within the next couple of hours, not a day, within the next couple of hours, we were heading out to have dinner with friends and um, we were borrowing their car and there was some radio station on that we didn't really know. And I took this moment in the car to drill my husband with all of the practical questions as to what moving to Canada would look like. I said, well, do you know how much milk costs in North Vancouver? Like, how much is it going to be to send three children to school? Like, how how are we ever going to afford to buy a house? We're not. Miracle, please, Lord. (laughs) And so I'm asking all these questions in the car. And the radio station does this. Hey, we're going to turn into the next show. We've got some really cool, exciting things we're going to talk about. And we're going to talk about the cost of living at the Gold Coast in Australia. So why don't you call up and tell us what it's like where you're from and we'll compare. So the first caller. Hey, where are you from? Oh, hey there, bud. I'm from North Vancouver. (laughs) Do you know what he told me? How much milk cost? It's outrageous, by the way. He told me how much it was going to take to send my children to school and how much faith I'm going to need to be able to buy a property in North Vancouver. (laughs) God turned up on a radio station, but I asked for three signs. We get to the restaurant. We're greeted by... Our waiter, now at the Gold Coast in Australia, it's a pretty stunning place. So you have a lot of people wanting to do working holiday visas, lots of people with accents. And of course, our waiter has an accent, not surprising. So while we're waiting for the table, I'm just doing the good pastoral thing and asking him, hey, how are you? What, what do you get up to these days? Where are you from? Oh, I'm from North Vancouver, are you there, bud? And I was like, show me my table. I'm done. I'm ready for my table. (laughs) God showed up at a restaurant. But I asked for three signs. We're driving home to our friend's home. And my husband got lost driving home because I wasn't driving. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm actually awful. Like, I hit the curb every time I'm in a car. Like, don't ask me to drive you anywhere. (laughs) And so we're driving, get lost. And, he's, and so I'm like, why don't you just pull over? We'll just get our bearings and then we'll go from there. And I pull over. And if you Google Maps this right now, I can promise you, you'll find this. If you Google Maps this, when I looked up, we were at Vancouver Drive in Robina. As soon as I saw that street sign, the peace of God and the ownership over the call hit me like nothing else. And so I started to walk that out. We started to see God turn up in miraculous ways. He's still doing miracles. I want to share my testimony with you today because just like the Israelites, when they crossed over the Jordan River into the promise, they laid down stones of memory so that the generations could then be reminded of the faith required in their God to see miracles happen again. I truly believe, I truly believe God's not finished in Canada. Why would I put 
everything on the line if I didn't believe that. You know, when Ben was visiting here for the first time, he was kind of sussing out the lay of the land. He was like one of the spies that went in and like, let's see how much milk costs actually. And he was at a place in North Vancouver and he called me and he was so discouraged. I'm like, it's, he's like, it's really affluent. It's very comfortable, but there's a spiritual oppression here that I don't know if I've got what it takes. And I was just so full of fire that I was like, we've got to do it. Do you know why I was so full of fire? I was online that day and I was reading and researching about Canada and I found a Christian blog. Christian blogs, gotta love them. I found a Christian blog and they were talking about some of the struggles in Canada from a Christian point. And one person just commented, Canada is sunk. And I got so mad. Like I got mad like, like mum mad. Like when someone comes up, my kid mad. I was so fired up. I'm like, how could they believe that this is the end for Canada? God's not finished yet. God's not done with this country. How could they dare say that about my kid? (laughs) I was mad. Some of you guys need to get parental mad about your country again, advocating for it again, protecting it again, believing for it again. And so I was full of this fire and this ownership. Why? Because I'd heard the call and I knew it was God. Nothing was going to sway me with that. So we landed with 12 young adults. We lived in this massive house all crammed in together in different rooms. I lived out of suitcases for six weeks in a tiny little cupboard that was like, there was an entrance to a house and there was a a shoe rack. But it was like one of those mysterious doors that if you pushed it open, there was a room behind it. And it was just like a room, a rectangle room. There's nothing in it. That's where we lived for six weeks. But we're still in Canada, so it was kind of nice. Like... And so we, that's how we, how we landed. We landed with 12 young adults and with this vision in our heart and it was all going to go so well until it didn't. Nothing worked. Now, if you were to look at mine and Ben's resumes, youth pastor, young adult pastor, worship pastor, event manager, business operations, we did the ARC training, we'd been in a denomination... If you looked at our resume, it would make sense that we would be able to get a church off the ground. Nothing was working. Nothing worked. Nothing moved. And we're like, what is going on? And I was encouraged again by Gideon. See, Gideon, before he was able to be commissioned into the battle, he had to do something of huge importance to actually be the spiritual leader that he needed to be for the armies of Israel to take back ground, what he was asked to do by the Lord was to destroy something. See, in the place where he lived, there was an altar to Baal, a false god, something that took the the allegiance and the attention of the people of God away from God, something that was constructed to take the focus away from what God wanted to do. And God said, you need to destroy it. You need to destroy it. And we found ourselves in this position going, God, what are the things that we need to get rid of? So 90% of our sarcasm left because that doesn't land well in Canada. (laughs) Actually, you guys are quite sarcastic. You're just not tonal. Australians are very tonal. I'm like, oh, yeah, like Canadians are just straight. 
And then I'm like, wow, that was really mean. But then everyone's laughing and I'm like, what's going on? Like, is like, <laughs> am I missing something? I'm learning still. Five years on and I'm still learning. But there was this thing that Gideon had to do. He had to get rid of this idol that had been put in place instead of what was meant to be God's place. For him to be the spiritual leader, to actually claim back victory, there were things that he needed to dismantle. And there were things in our lives that we needed to let go of. Idols that we didn't know even existed. Things that we had built up. Things that we had operated in for too long. And God was like, no, I want to do something new in you. You need to destruct some things. You need to actually get rid of some things so that I can build well. And for some of you, there's going to be things that when God asks you to go into the vision that he has for you, when he asks you to take ground, the first thing you're going to do is have to actually fight the spiritual fight. You're going to have to take a stand and take down some things in your life that you may not even know exist. And you're going to have to say, Holy Spirit, come and let me have eyes to see what it is you want to do in me. I think this is timely for you, GT, because I didn't know it was Vision Sunday next week, by the way. God did, obviously. Before next week, before any vision is actually declared, this week is a time to actually start pulling down the things in your life that have taken away from the sovereignty of God. So we had to do that. So we knew what it was to answer the call of God. And then we knew that we needed to take some things down. And then we entered into the real struggle. Nothing worked the way we thought it would. Why? Because it needed to be a spiritual battle, not a logistical battle. The enemy will tempt you with the things that are in your hands, saying that this will build the church. But the Spirit of the Lord is the one who breathes life and the church is born. Don't remember don't forget where the church actually when the church came into existence. Acts 2's the Spirit of God fell and the church was born. The church needs to be sustained by the Spirit of God. We had some struggles. We had some things along the way. We were uh, we were planning to launch our church in Sept uh, in January 2018. We had this big plan, it was all ready, we're good. We did launch parties. Does anyone know what a launch party is? Where it's like, hey, come, we're gonna do a new thing. We had like two people turn up one time. It was, it was rough some days. And we just sought the Lord and we said, God, what do you want us to do? And he's like, I don't want you to start in January. And I was like, what? No, we told everyone. We told all the donors that gave into this that we were gonna start in January. Anyone felt delay before? Anyone had to actually admit to delay before and have the humility just come over you and be like, hey guys, just letting you know, I know we said this, but it's actually not being led that way. And actually trust that it was God being the one that delayed. Now in the moment we can see that. And so we said to everyone, we're delaying our launch till September. We still didn't have a building. We didn't have anything sorted. Our funding like for how family ran out in September. So it was all a big faith step. In January, I found out I was pregnant with our fourth child. And there was so much excitement, so much nervousness around that because his due date was launch day, <laughs> which I'm like, oh, that plans really well. 
And so January, we found out we were pregnant. And in April, his heart stopped beating. And we walked through the journey of grief like we'd never experienced before. And we didn't know it was coming. At 20 weeks, we lost him. Theo Creed is his name. Theo being gift of God, Creed being guiding principle. And the principle that God gives and takes in God's hands are good. And we journeyed through the loss of a child. And if we had ignored the voice of God to delay, we would have launched a church in grief. We would have been pastoring people when we had never journeyed through what we needed to journey through. And God was so very present and he did a new thing in us. And we're grateful and thankful for the life of Theo Creed, even in that short time. So I had to go into hospital. And during surgery, Ben's sitting at a Tim Hortons across the road from the hospital, which is just a sad picture generally, right? Like Tim Hortons across from the hospital, everyone's sad. I don't know if it's because of the hospital or the coffee, but people are sad. <laughs> it's one thing, one thing as an Australian that my snobbery for coffee has not been humbled yet. <laughs> the Lord is doing a work and I'm sorry to Canada, but... Unless it's a four cheese breakfast bagel, I am not going to Tim Hortons. But the four cheese breakfast bagel is good and saw me through many mornings. <laughs> and he's sitting in this Tim Hortons across from the hospital while I'm in surgery. And he gets this phone call. And it's this phone call from this pastor that we'd met who pastors a church in North Vancouver. And we had gone and visited them a couple of times. And this pastor had been holding on to this church. They were down to about five people. The church was dying. That church was dying. You know there are dying churches across Canada. Do you know what a lot of people are doing? Selling the properties. Losing any religious zoning that they could possibly have for a place of worship. Selling for finances. But God was doing a new thing. He was bringing new people into Canada, not just me, many others. And so this pastor, we'd been meeting with him and, his, and this church was dying and he'd been holding on for so long and he didn't know quite what to do, but we turned up and a beautiful relationship began. And with great courage, great courage, this pastor led the way in giving us the asset of the building. I'm not saying we bought it. I'm saying we were given a building in Canada, in one of the most expensive places in Canada. We were given a building. Has anyone been given a building before? <laughs> I mean, I've had some good Christmas presents, but that was the miracle of God, but it also came with the faithfulness of many who had gone before. He could have very easily been like, well, let's just make the most we can out of this asset and see how much money we can get. But God doesn't want our resources to be the first thing that comes back into the kingdom. He wants His people to be the first thing that comes back into the kingdom. Our 
resources are so important, but they are not the main thing. They are a resource to kingdom building work. But for that to happen, you need to have open-handed people that hear the call of God and are obedient to it. With great humility and obedience, this pastor called Ben up while he sat at a Tim Hortons while his wife is in surgery and said, the building is yours. I tell you what, it was, a, it was an interesting day. The miracle of a building, the loss of a child. Walking through, what does that actually mean? God, what, like why? Like, is it one or the other? And journeying through, trying to understand and comprehend God within the midst of that. But do you know what it did teach us? To hold very dearly, very carefully, the lives that God has given us to steward that well. God gave us a building. We got given the building in July that year. We got access to renovate in August because it needed a lot of attention. Some of these older buildings are not in the condition that you would want them to be. And so from August to September, we renovated that building. The night before, should I say the morning of launch, we were plastering walls. <laughs> There was a lot of people that sewed into that place. And September 2018, we launched Avant Life Church in North Vancouver because God called us. We responded with yes. We persevered through struggle. But at the end of the day, everything we did didn't matter because it was God who was writing the story and providing every single miracle along the way. where we are now, God gave us a second building. Did I mention that? So funny thing, we have a thing with buildings apparently. <laughs> we had always decided to plant in Squamish, which is just on your way up to Whistler. It's a beautiful place. It's a smaller town. A lot of people don't necessarily want to go to Squamish to plant a church. And so we were journeying through this and similar situation, dying church, they gave us the building and that community became a part of Avant Life in Squamish. During COVID, we had friends that were journeying through the struggle of COVID. Do you know COVID wiped out some churches? But you know, I don't think the people of God want churches to be wiped out. And so it requires some time that you step up to the plate and you help bring healing. And God asked us to take on this existing church that was on the decline because of the impact of COVID and also just the pastors were considering what their role looked like and if they really wanted to be lead pastors. And so Ben and I prayed about it. And in September last year, we launched Avant Life Squamish and Avant Life Surrey. We are three and a half years old with three campuses and none of it I can take credit for. You know, I think about the Canadian church a lot. <laughs> and I'm reminded of the story of when Jesus went to resurrect Lazarus. You find it in, in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 11. And along the way, Jesus is saying, hey, we need to go bring life back to him because he's fallen asleep. But see, the time that, what was happening in that time is that 
the Jews were against Jesus. They literally had just tried to stone him. And for Jesus to go and bring resurrection life back to Lazarus actually required him walking through some dangerous territory. And this is some of the responses. This is what his disciples said, that Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you and you're going back. The disciples didn't want Jesus to go to Lazarus. Why? Because they were fearful for their own life. There are going to be times where you need to see resurrection life be brought into a situation. You cannot let the fear rob you from experiencing resurrection life. There were the Jews that wanted to stone him. They literally questioned the authority of Jesus. You know, there were times in our journey where people questioned the mandate, the call that God gave us. They wanted us to lay certain things down, to accept other things. And I was there when my husband stood up in a meeting and walked away from some incredible assets because it meant we would have had to compromise on the call. And we have not seen the church die. In fact, we've seen it come back to life. You must hold on to the mandate that God gives you at all costs. There will be people along the way that will try to rob the authority of Jesus from the calling that he's giving you. But you have to stand firm on who it is that is leading you into resurrection life. And then the other person that I'm encouraged by is Martha. Martha, Martha. We always know the story about Martha. I can assure you, probably every Christian woman has prayed this prayer. Lord, make me more like Mary, not Martha. And then you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, I'm my mother. Like, it's like, too bad. Sorry, you didn't get either. And so we see Martha and Jesus come and encounters Martha. And she's like, Jesus, if you were just here, he would have been okay. He would have made it. And he's like, well, do you believe that I'm the resurrection life? Yes, I believe. Obviously, in the last days, you know, Lazarus is going to be resurrected. When Jesus goes to remove the stone where Lazarus had been laid for four days, Martha says, yeah, but it might stink. Like, it's Jesus, I don't think you should do that. So her belief was partial. She believed that Jesus could do all that the Lord gave her to do. But when it came to actually exposing some of the things to actually bring some life back into something, I don't think we should open that. I don't think we should look under there. I don't know if we should really analyze that. I don't know if we should go that deep into the situation. How else was Lazarus meant to walk out of that grave if they didn't open the tomb? There are gonna be things in your life that people are going to tell you that the authority of Jesus doesn't have power over it, that you should let up your mandate, let up the calling. Just like the Jews, they wanted to stone him. They didn't trust his authority. They wanted to limit the authority of the one that has resurrection life. There are going to be those that have fear within themselves that would limit Jesus moving into a space of death because of their own fear like the disciples. And there are going to be those that when it comes time to actually go, ah, I don't know, it looks messy. I don't know if we should do that. But the reality is the Lord is speaking resurrection life over the church in Canada. He wants to see it come out of the grave. He wants to see it be full of life again. Why? For His glory. When Lazarus was raised, it proved that Jesus Christ was the resurrection and life in that moment there. 
That's what we need to inherit as the people of God. That's what we get to inherit. Church, I'm going to ask if you would stand with me this morning. My desire today, I prayed for you all this week, praying, God, what do you want to do in these people? And he just kept on saying, tell your testimony. Tell your testimony. Yeah, but I'm number five of seven. It's not that great. He's like, it's not your testimony. It's God's testimony. It's God's testimony that what he has done in the past, he's going to do again. It's not just meant to be a nice sentiment. It's actually meant to be faith in action that you would step into. At some point, you have to pursue the miracle working nature of God in faith and belief and then follow in that belief. You don't make the way he does. He will make a way. God is not finished yet. God is not done yet. For some of you, you might be here and going, what part do I play? I don't, I'm not able-bodied. I don't have what it takes. I don't know if I have enough energy or drive. I, I can't build. You can testify. There are many of you here that you have a testimony that you've been holding back because you think it means nothing. That is not your testimony. It is God's testimony of what He's done in your life. And you need to start declaring what? Him, not you. Some of you need to be the ones that speak the testimony to propel those to do the work in faith. In faith. How do you do it? Gathering as a community here today is beautiful. You have a beautiful church and and being a part of your worship and being a part of the presence of God that is so evidently on you. It's such a privilege. It encourages my soul. Gathering as a community, you're not here to warm these pews. They look pretty warm. You're not here just to sit back and be entertained. Sunday service isn't Sunday Netflix. Christianity is not purely entertainment. It's going, it's preaching, and it's seeing the miracle working nature of a resurrected King come into this world. Don't fall for the trap that the enemy would have for you to just be entertained. We must fight the consumerist mentality and we must enter into being contributors to what God is doing because it is a great privilege. At some point, you need to get up, create space for faith and then step into that space that the Lord has made. I believe that God wants to do great things through you as a church. Churches like us in Vancouver look to you You guys are a beacon of hope for so many, of wisdom for so many. So just right now, as we are about to enter back into just a quick time of worship, can I ask you to close your eyes and just set yourself, set your heart focused on God. Some of you need to come back into a place of surrender where you are willing to give up everything. 
I used to sing a song as a teenager, Jesus, I believe in you and I would go to the ends of the earth. I'm living that. What songs, what prayers, what things have you said years ago that you need to step into? Some of you need to step in with obedience. It's hard because you don't know what's around the corner. I tell you what, trusting in God is a great adventure. And some of us need to come into a place of repentance. Maybe there are those idols that we've built up that God just wants to tear down so that we could actually be the spiritual leaders He needs us to be to actually see this world changed. I live in this tension that I can change the world knowing that I can't, but I will never stop believing that I can. So right now, if that's you, whether it's surrender, maybe that's you this morning, maybe it's repentance, maybe it's obedience, would you just raise your hand? just as a response to the Lord. Lord, would you find us here right now? We come as we are into your presence, into your will. Would you use us? Would you speak to us clearly? And would we follow with such great obedience because we trust you to be a loving and good God? Let this be your story, your testimony, Lord. Would we declare the goodness and the miracles and the faith that you've given us freely? And would we never stop believing that resurrection life is here and now? Amen. Let's worship.